0: Ty, do you really think you'd be good with Josh? I mean, he's like a school nerd. <laughs> what, am I some sort of a mentally challenged airhead? No. Not even. I didn't say that. What, I'm not good enough for Josh or something? I, I just don't think you mesh well together. You don't think that we mesh well? <laughs> I was like, why am I even listening to you to begin with?
1: You're a virgin who can't dry. Oh, that was way harsh, Dy. you want to Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of a podcast directed by... So, in our Amy Heckerling watch, we have finally reached the one movie Mike wants to watch. Uh yeah. We are finally here to talk about our last movie of our series, which is Clueless. We will have one more episode with our expert, but Mike is bowing out after this episode. Thank God. He's going out on a high note and talking about Clueless. So, Mike, um despite the fact that this movie talks shit about your home state, you love this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. what's going Poor on there? Form, uh from the uh, brother fucker. She gets that last little
0: jab at us there. At the, we didn't the get wedding. married. It's not Kentucky. Ooh. It's like, but you're still dating him. Like what? Right. You're presumably still having sex with him. Cher. How dare you? Um, you know, at least make an honest, uh, man out of your stepbrother. Poor Paul Rudd <laughs> or whatever he is at this point. Yeah. I love, I love clues. How could you not? Um, I guess I'll answer that hypothetical question. Um, Maybe if you found it to be sort of a one-gag movie, which I think uh, basing it off of Emma helps alleviate mm. that concern a little bit. But if I just looked at the poster and maybe the marketing at the time, because I do think Clueless is seen as a classic now. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I think if you are a hater of Clueless, you are very much in the minority. And for the most part, this is seen as a, a well-received movie and very quotable.
1: Right, but, especially but, now because it got like you know one of those anniversary re-releases type things, so people have been talking about it a lot again.
0: Uh, did it was it the uh, fun and flirty edition of thirteen going on thirty? Because that's to me that's the only special edition you need. Is fun and Why are you shaking your head, Dave? Do you not like fun or flirty? I hate both. DVD covers.
1: <laughs> Too old for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Don't own that. I, but would I say- did buy clueless. I did buy the SteelBook re-release of Clueless, so
0: <laughs> I don't. Does Clueless require a SteelBook? Doesn't that seem? Does anything? <laughs> it just doesn't seem to fit. Like a James Bond movie, I can see having a like you know garish looking SteelBook uh, to n- put next to your like PlayStation collection. But Clueless, <laughs> right. that just does not. Clueless should be fun and flirty. And flirty uh, Going back to the marketing, looking at the original poster, I could see someone saying, "I don't." really care about uh the smart ass problems of the rich like the mm-hmm. and I think the movie acknowledges that with the opening credits they' you know they they're saying like oh our, our lives are like an uh you know an m t v music video or a special or something like we realize that we are playing this particular part of carefree but also <laughs> Neurotic, like hyper-neurotic mm-hmm. characters, which I think Amy Heckerling really specializes in. Um, and she specializes in poking holes in their problems mm-hmm. in this great way where you can both identify with them and also stand back and sort of laugh at mm-hmm. the making of their own misery. And you really have to have someone like Alicia Silverstone to play Cher. This is one of those things mm-hmm. where you have to <laughs> have the star to carry this home because there's a lot... The lot that I like about the movie is how unlikable Cher is. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of things she does that are totally selfish. Uh, There are a lot of um, sort of cutting remarks made about other people. We talked about on uh, I Can Never Be Your Woman that I didn't like Lady Bird making fun of Britney Spears. Like this Mm -hmm. weird slut shaming thing. Uh, You do have this rival character of Amber uh, that I don't think is redeemed. I don't know, there's still some like woman on woman crime here. Mm-hmm. Um, although Brittany Murphy has the, has your heart <laughs> forever. She has my heart forever. Uh, but also like the ultimate insult, which is you're just a virgin. Who you can't drive. You can't drive. drive. <laughs> That's,
1: uh, <laughs> like brutal. Just, Even now I watch this and I'm like, ow. Just
0: Jesus. leave the room. And I love that the movie resolves that scene with Cher saying, uh, that was really harsh (laughs) there's no (laughs) comeback except to say that was evil and vile right how dare you Um, look i look i tried to submit here reasons why you could not like this movie or initially be into it and at the end of my spiel i'm like you know what's fucking awesome about clueless is when this person attacks someone else so (laughs) fuck all of it uh you should love this movie everyone should this is for
1: everyone yeah, I mean, I agree. I, you know, a little behind the scenes here. Like, we were planning to record these episodes much earlier. Um, and this is the one movie out of the ones that I already watched that I rewatched. Cause I was like, this is- And you is probably just... didn't need to, anyway. No, no. I probably didn't even need to watch it once for this, for this show and we could talk about it. But it's just like, it's so enjoyable. It's so fun and nice and it's amazing that Heckerling was able to create two teen Kind of coming of age stories, so many years, uh so many years apart, and they're both like classics of the genre. Like, yes, this is based on Emma, but like, you certainly do not need to know anything about Jane Austen or Emma to enjoy this movie. Like, you don't need that background. Like, this works I would all say on
0: its own. that the Emma that came out earlier this year, when we had movies, <laughs> people are going to reference Clueless more that that it's like they brought clueless to the time period more that it has that sort of sensibility Mm -hmm. so it's a strange like subversion of it to where the uh you know not the remake but the uh the the beverly hills spinoff of this has now Mm -hmm. (laughs) become the top tier emma adaptation i don't know if fans of jane austen would like this but i feel like even they've Embraced Clueless. Yeah, I feel yeah, like, I feel this like is the one you know, with...
1: there's a lot of versions of Emma, right? There's the mm-hmm. most recent one that came out this year was I think, Anya Taylor Joy, and then there was a Gwyneth Paltrow version, which um... came out a year after Clueless. Yeah, and it seemed this like is oh. so much better. Like this is just, and I like Jane Austen. I and I, unlike you, I like period films. Like this, that's like kind of in my wheelhouse. But this this just works from like minute one all the way to the last frame except maybe that dig at my new home of kentucky mm. uh but everything else like the only problem i have with this movie is it's got nothing to do with the movie it's got to do with the actors becoming fucking vile monsters uh later like watching this watching stacy dash is still like a little hard uh given kind of the person that she has become like the kind of fox news like kind of horrible like vile person and so she used to be my favorite character in this movie like i always like really liked you know her relationship you know like that stuff really worked for me and now i watch it and i kind of lean much more towards Cher's character uh just because i'm like "Uh, i don't really want to associate with this person uh because she's terrible so it's a shame when that happens with movies from our youth where like now that you know, we're so much more aware of people's personalities and whether it's through Fox News or social media or whatever, you're just like, oh yeah, but that person sucks. Like I can't, I can't really go there. So it's forced me to kind of look at the movie from new angles to like look at different characters who maybe I wasn't keeping as watchful as an eye on before in watching it, but it's still really good. Like none of that ruins it for me, which is saying a lot. Because the more you know about actors and about writers and directors, it can be very easy for movies to get ruined for you. But this is just full of—I think you kind of mention it, or at least lean towards it. It's just full of so much joy that it's like, honestly, this is a movie that if you don't like this, like I have questions. Like, what, what happened to you <laughs> that you don't like this movie? Like, You're I don't the understand. Dave. You
0: know, you, they're coming to you for a reason, so.
1: <laughs> Look, is if you want you to pay open... me 200 dollars an hour then we'll talk. But I just want to know that... if that's how you
0: know you start your sessions. It's like, so what do you think about clueless and if they say I don't like it then you <laughs> maybe do. I should. Then maybe that should be the starting, history, point. you know. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, there's some trauma there. Uh speaking of trauma, um I'm looking cuz you you brought up that there's been a reissue of this and what I'm seeing on Wikipedia is that there was a 10th anniversary edition called the whatever edition. Does your still book
1: say that? That has nothing on no, fun nothing no, but it's something else. I'm trying to remember what it is now I want to look it up like which which version I have now? this
0: is why you should be like a youtuber and record with your physical media so you like hold it up and you know, you start <laughs> pointing around the screen at me saying like and subscribe below and all this like you're just not a professional yet, Dave.
1: no, I'm not I think it just says it's the 25th anniversary edition how boring is kind of what, what's it's going kind of boring? on here? But the the cover is very pretty. You know, it's got Alicia Silverstone in her yellow outfit, and the background matches the yellow. It's very nice. But... The Virgin Who Can't Drive edition would really, <laughs> really a that at home. would fly off the shelves. Uh, even though no one is buying physical media except me and five other people, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: How do you think? Uh, you know, you're you're more of a wanderer on film Twitter. You engage uh-huh. with
1: like an idiot, yes, the
0: mob there. Um, <laughs> You know, so are there, are there any younger voices that you've seen talk about this? Because at least when this came out, I, I was just entering my teenage years. I was in mm-hmm. middle school. So I was looking above these characters. These were still uh, adults to me. Right. Like I had, <laughs> I certainly didn't have these high school They were school aspirational days. to you at that point. Well, you know, it's not like <laughs> I looked at this and was like, oh, that's what high school's going to be like. I don't think anyone, even if only. In, well, you grew up in California. I don't think even there you're like, yeah, this is what it's going to no be. Way. Like. Uh, maybe Fast Times might have been Yeah, like that's more closer,
1: I think, yeah. Um
0: but I just wonder how younger generations come back to this, uh if they come back to it like we do with with Fast Times. I think mm. it would work cuz I had no issues watching Fast Times as a teenager. Now, this was yeah. a little bit more time period specific, though.
1: Yeah, I think most of most of what I've seen is people our age or a little bit younger talking about it like with, you know, the nostalgia that comes along with it. But on the bright side, I I don't see a lot of younger people on Twitter like just shitting all over it either, which is usually what you would get. With a movie, like if you bring up John Hughes on film Twitter and some mm. of the 17 year olds find you, oh my goodness, it is over. Like this is, this is a fight. You're a bad person for liking it. It's toxic, et cetera, et cetera. Well,
0: I mean, but he, he did feature more mean-spirited characters. Like I, yes. I keep harping on the one really cruel line, which is still kind of an absurd put down right. that is oddly specific to the shared character. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I understand that a little bit, but having, almost being a, like we talked about in last week or last half hours show <laughs> on satire uh there is something that if you're going to engage with pop culture you should have some degree of interest in the time period it came out before mm-hmm. uh you know pausing like it's like a new release that Netflix just dropped or something like how could they do this now well they <laughs> they didn't um <laughs> sometimes it's amusing like I, I saw recently uh, these young bucks discovering that Eddie Murphy attempted to have like a pop career in music oh yes that 's party pop. all the time but that's yes. that's that's more fun right I don't think anyone yes. was saying this is <laughs> this is horrible, and Eddie Murphy should never work again, yeah, I think Maybe interesting. They're right uh, i don't the, know <laughs> the
1: worst. <laughs> The worst reactions to that was the reactions to the reaction where people my age were like, how could you not know about this? How did you not know that Eddie Murphy could sing? Didn't you see Dream Girls? Like, it's like, calm down. Like, no, they didn't see Dream Girls. They're 15. Like, just... <laughs> Sit down, will you? It's fine. It's fine for them to discover something that they didn't know before. Just let them enjoy this moment because that song's fucking ridiculous and it's fine. Like, Eddie Murphy has a billion dollars in the bank account. He'll be okay. You don't have to defend his honor. But is honor. there an expectation that people
0: should see clueless? Like, is, do you think this is one that if you get into movies, you
1: should put this high up on the list and, like, have some, uh, you know, point of reference for it? I think so. I think especially if you're interested in one of two things. If you're interested in the high school coming-of-age movie, which is its own genre altogether and if you're interested in modern adaptations of period stuff i think it's a really interesting one to look at i think i put it in the same category as another movie i love 10 things i hate about you which is like probably the best modern shakespeare adaptation that you're gonna you're gonna find so yeah i think this Not should be a fan be. of ethan hawk's
0: uh, digital camera hamlet south new york city
1: god that movie sucks god, i love ethan hawk but that movie is bad i bought that on dvd Oof. back in 2000 and i think i watched it once that was it. Yeah, same director uh who just recently directed Ethan Hawke in Tesla, which was also a bad movie. So they should just stop working together because Ethan Hawke is better than that. That's there we yeah, go. that Hamlet that is rough. That that's right. For. Um so speaking of the opposite of that, Mike, one of the things that you had brought up before we, you know, scheduled to record this is how strange it is to watch a movie with such a kind of very positive protagonist. Yes. And and you brought up another movie by another director I mm-hmm. like, um Ed Wood, uh the Tim mm-hmm. Burton movie. And yep. that's another and I watched them both back to back, and I was kind of stunned at how similar these characters are. 'Cause at first I, I watched Edward first and I was like, Yeah, he's really positive and then he gets like really down on himself for not for not being a success, right? He looks at someone like Orson Wells being this big success and he can't quite manage that. And then I watched Clueless again and I was like, actually you have a lot of the same stuff here. Like, she is really positive in the beginning, and then some bad things happen to her, and she gets really down on herself, but ends up kind of picking herself up. I think, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when she corrects someone who is supposedly so much smarter than her. You know, it's Paul Rudd's girlfriend at the time. Talking about movie hamlet Hamlet. again yes absolutely and it's and it's the one of the first moments in the movies where you're like actually this character is kind of undercover really sharp like she knows what she knows like yes all of her stuff is surrounded by uh popular culture and media but she's paying attention this is not just a ditzy high school girl like she really does know what she's talking about even in the very beginning when she's talking, you know, she goes on her long diatribe about the Hadians and you know, having the party <laughs> and all that. Like but if you boil it down to what she's talking about, she's talking about empathy. Like she's a really smart character and you don't really understand how smart she is, maybe till you get done with watching the movie. So it's really interesting to watch these two back to back. So I'm glad you had brought that up.
0: Yeah, I'd read uh something where um Amy Heckerling said she you know, she is uh, as far removed as one can get uh, from the character of Cher And she, she basically wanted to write, write a character that she could not be, who had such a positive outlook on life, uh, whether that's warranted or not, but like through sheer force of will, it's going to make it happen. And obviously you go back to Emma uh, as far as like, Oh yeah, there's, you know, we could take that sort of structure and do that. Uh, but she mentioned Ed Wood as far as something that, you know, it came out the year before as watching, and saying that it just—I guess it was just sort of inspiring, uh, only in that regard. Of how do you make a character who's sort of oblivious to the outside world, uh, the forces of the outside world trying to suppress them, and some would say justly so. Like <laughs> not not everyone deserves to to make a movie. You can, but you know, especially when there's financially motivated uh, people around they're going to have their own issues with, you know, Mm -hmm. in that case, what Mr. Ed Wood is putting on screen. (laughs) And, you know, I think that Ed Wood is one that I watched it again for this podcast, maybe has aged not as well as Clues, or maybe I'm just more of a grouch now, Mm. because I'm thinking like, I don't know, man, like you're, (laughs) someone hires you to make a sex comedy and you want to make it a very personal story. About you know yourself wanting to wear uh, women's undergarments, um, maybe you should be a little bit understanding of why that doesn't have mass appeal. Like, right. <laughs> like right. I know you right. want it to. Um, and uh, what I like about Clueless is there is some pushback, mainly from the Paul Rudd character. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sequence, you're you're alluding to with the, the Hamlet thing. It's like the first time he's like, "Hey, okay." Mm-hmm. There's something to her. Like she's she's coming at it from a different perspective. She's coming out through a fandom of Mel Gibson and his version of Hamlet. That but, maybe hasn't
1: aged so well, but
0: you know, eventually <laughs> we're going to do a Mel Gibson month, right? Cuz it'll be what uh, I know you're dying to talk about the man without a face. Cuz who can't go a day?
1: I'd finally have to watch <laughs> Passion of the Christ if we do that. That's uh, probably <laughs> not really. Yeah, you know what happens. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't ask well for old Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus, not much of a fighter. <laughs> Just takes it. God, he's kind of like the Jared Leto character in Fight Club, and uh, even then, not as likable. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where was I? Why'd you bring Christ into this? Uh, We're talking about Mel Gibson. About Mel Gibson. Yeah. yes. all right, that's how we went. I tried to go with uh, you know a more obscure gag, and you went right to Jesus as you're <laughs> that's wanting right. to. Um, but you know, there's even the pushback you get from Paul Rudd here is kind in a loving way. Um, you know, like there's attempts where she's trying to get on his good side when she realizes she's developed a crush on him and she's, trying to keep up with the news and he's basically like, why aren't you watching Ren and Stimpy? Cause there's that adorable sequence where she's trying to explain to him to not be a snob about Ren Stimpy. Also something that's not aged well as far as that. Mm, I'm hoping they're watching that creator. an episode yeah, after that creator was pushed. I think he was pushed out after season one. So I don't know after season one, maybe you're good. <laughs> um You know, she, she's trying to say, Hey, don't be so judgmental in your way. And then when she's trying to watch the news, it's like, he's come full circle and he's like, you know, you don't have to, don't have to punish yourself for like your passions in life like other people might right. belittle it like you know if you're just she seems like a vapid character because she's just into clothes and her looks uh but she's also a really good friend she's like a, a truly mm-hmm. kind uh friend and when she discovers maybe initially for selfish reasons that she's trying to like hook up her teachers so they will be easier on her and, and a better mood she actually n- finds a joy for other people's joy as well mm-hmm so call that selfish if you want, but it's like there is a a true, um, you know, strange authenticity to her character in that she likes what she likes. And you know, when I'm when I'm on film Twitter, I I find I appreciate share and clueless more as far as just like what you like. Like you don't right. like we don't we don't have to play. And that's been the weird thing about this pandemic lifestyle is there's almost no through line for the years for discussing movies. Right. So it's like you have to bring your own personality. Here's what here's what I'm about. Here's if I was left my own whims, what movies would I engage with? And for Dave, it's Johnny Dangerously.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, what you learn is that people on film Twitter like actually don't have a thought in their head. They're just like, wait, but what am I supposed to watch? Why? Why like, are
0: you always the mean one on this? Like I'm the one because I'm on there. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I'm just sort of
1: from afar, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't like this place. Whatever. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. <laughs> But I visit it every day, and I'm like, God, you people suck. <laughs> that says a lot about me, I think, more than anyone else. Yeah. But that's fine. How do you punish yourself? Uh, that is a deep question that would take longer than a 25-minute podcast uh, to go into. Um, I think the miracle of this movie is that the Paul Rudd-Alicia Silverstone romance works. Because, um, they, like, yes, they weren't raised together. They're not blood-related, all that stuff. But it is still – it's a little weird so weird for these two characters to end up together but the way that and it's specifically that scene that we both referenced and you had mentioned it very smartly that that was the moment for him where he was like oh there's something more to her here like she's not just pretty she's not just popular like she's actually thinking she's actually smart yeah she has her own point of view Exactly. And that's the moment where I think all of the romance really kicks off between them. And it's really interesting to rewatch this movie, because I remember watching it the first time thinking that kind of came out of nowhere um that relationship and I was like what the fuck how did we get here maybe it's just cuz that's the way it happened in Emma what are we doing this is weird but if you watch it again with that in mind with where it's going in mind like you can absolutely see the thread of where it begins and how that relationship grows and when they end up together frankly as i watch it i'm like kind of like oh that's nice that actually works like that relationship works and if you just look at that purely on paper that should not work at all. And they kind of, with that last line, they do poke fun of that idea. It's, um, um,
0: yeah, I'm not even going to touch that again because that's, that's disparaging to our state.
1: Our state. Yes. <laughs> it's true story. Yeah. Um, they couldn't have said Arkansas. Look, the, that best been fine. This, <laughs> the best thing about this,
0: the best thing, the kind thing about this month is, and we've discussed before, Amy Heckerling has, a boner for decent people, for kind mm-hmm. people. And it's not often, especially in a rom comish setting, that, you know, someone, or maybe both parties are like a, a cad, or, you know, there's someone that needs to be, they need to be brought low in some way by love and made a better person, uh, made less than what they were before, which mm-hmm. is a strange, <laughs> it's a strange thing we're, we're teaching people. That, it's a strange boner. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, I'm saying Amy Heckling's boner is fine. It's it's rock solid. That's the clip. It's pure. That's... <laughs> it's aim is true, is what I'm saying. Oh Jesus. <laughs> but here all there are differences between Cher and Josh, but they are both decent people okay. who are willing to see decency in others, even if they are you know, he's a terrible dancer. Um mm. You know, he, he may be right and, in, in saying, Hey, look, going to this ska show doesn't deserve my entire effort. <laughs> maybe historically <laughs> he has been judged true there, but it, it's just nice to not see, uh, as much as I like some of the, like, I'm thinking like the Matthew McConaughey rom-coms in particular, uh, cause it, especially in the early 2000s, uh, it fell into that, like, he has to just be like a total prick, like a total right. ass um and then it's like well he's handsome and he was nice a few times to her, and she was nice to him a few times so now just let the together. woman do the
1: heavy lifting as usual yeah. like just...
0: so th- this um yeah you know, i guess maybe it's just a difference in having like a, a female perspective here but mm-hmm. it's also it is truly amy heckerling's point of view and that's the good thing about doing this podcast when yeah. i feel like doing it once a quarter um <laughs> Is that when you go through the entire thing, even Johnny Dangerously, you come to appreciate their particular perspective, and it's nice to see those those beats hit again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most successfully, I think, for the majority of people in Clueless, I think, you know, we're, we're ending on the classic. Um, cause if we ended on Johnny Dangerously, no one would know what we're doing the next, right. <laughs> the next month. And Mike would quit. Like, <laughs> I'm out. This is it. I'm done. <laughs> There has to be a carrot, you know, dangled there, yes. or in this
1: case, the stick. Johnny Dangerously is the stick. <laughs> Clueless is the carrot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up, this idea of decency, because, you know, that truly is a through line through every one of her movies, even even the ones that we didn't like, like Johnny Dangerously. Like a lot of it is, you know, the way the movie ends is Johnny trying to do the decent thing for his brother. I'm glad you you told me because I was I wasn't around. There you go. I got you. Uh, I got your back on this. Um, So yeah, that does you know, and it's interesting because I think sometimes it's harder to find the overall themes in female directors' work because it's so hard for them to get a budget for the movies they want to make. So there's a lot of times where they end up doing, you know, European vacation. So it's like, okay, not me, baby. Clearly like, you know, uh, I guess I got to Cause I guess like um the reason behind making that movie was she felt like, okay, my next movie has to make money because Johnny dangerously isn't going to make anything. Like she knew that from the initial reaction. So she thought, oh, I'll make a sequel to this wildly successful movie. And it's kind of guaranteed moneymaker. She was unfortunately wrong. But you know that's that's kind of what happens. Whereas with Stop male filmmakers, women, Dave. but with male filmmakers, once you make one or two good movies at the beginning of your career, in a lot of ways, for at least three or four movies, you get a You're blank the check. Yeah, exactly. So 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 it's, it was nice to see with her work you could still see it, um, and I think a lot of it is because she was willing to make these kind of micro-budget movies, you know, like Vamps, like I Could Never Be Your Woman. Like these are movies that I'm sure she had no. She had no. I. She didn't think like, oh, this is going to make a hundred million dollars. Like she was like, this is the story I want to tell, and she was willing to kind of go through it. And I, you know, just to kind of wrap all this up for this month before our last episode with our expert, I'm really interested to see what she does next because she's very tight lipped about it. I read in a couple interviews, like, and she said, you know, one of the movies I'm looking at as as a companion piece to this movie is Shoah, and Shoah is a movie about. About concentration camps. So, um I don't know what she's doing. Um so I don't know how you find decent people in concentration camps, uh, except for the people who are actually in the camp. I was like, but, Dave, there's a number
0: of them probably. You yeah, but they're all bitch. dying. Like
1: <laughs> just that's very heavy material for heckerling. That's not usually what she goes for. So I'm interested to see what she does that's with. That's not an easy pitch, no. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so we'll see. But in terms of heckerling, like you know, just to kind of wrap things up, are you glad you watched all these movies? What is your kind of takeaway from this month or three months or whatever it is of Hackerling?
0: It's interesting that the, um, it's usually, I say usually because there is Johnny dangerously, it's the character work and it's the, the casting, uh, and the, uh, the joy that the actors seem to have on set. I'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. like of, like we talked about vamps, um, but look who's talking. Where both of us, I think, were like, wow, um, Travolta and Allie really seem to, like, enjoy one another's company. Like, that comes through on the screen. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like they're having fun. Like, you and I wished for a, a different movie with those same actors, same characters. Right. Less um, babies. That's Less baby, you know, the thing that everyone else came to see and was happy with. Uh, we're right. like, get rid of that. Uh, the easy hook there. Um. And, yeah, through all of their, like, flaws and hang-ups, going back to, like, where we started with Fast Times, like, you have some characters that, you know, do some, you know, they're truly sort of traumatizing things, uh, you know, not being there, not standing up with this this girl that you've impregnated when she's making this difficult decision to have an abortion. Uh, Heckerling still has a sequence where you see his desperation and his attempts to be that guy, yeah, but because of his age, uh, th- there's just... You know, he's just sort of hopeless to ever be that that man that maybe he will be one day. Um, she she redeems the characters, but also doesn't let them off the hook. If that makes, uh, makes yeah. sense. Um, and so yeah, it's just the general kindness that she de- displays to the people that she's putting on screen. Uh, that's why I wanted no part of her directing Chevy Chase. Oof. Like we're talking about. <laughs> You made a good call, my friend, let me tell no you No decency whatsoever uh, I have no idea why he was so successful I think America America's has dropped the ball a lot uh, Especially of late, that's <laughs> an understatement In 2020, but uh, Maybe it's time I, for a Chevy Chase comeback then This is the perfect time <laughs> I mean, I would hope that he'd film
1: In a crowded room of Republicans <laughs> Love it. And that is where we're going to end our month on positive, happy, decent Amy Heckerling. Uh, but before we go, Mike, do you want to tell them who our next director is? I, I
0: picked this, didn't I? I'm, you did. I'm, I'm, I'm now shot. taking control of the show. Uh, look, um, I wanted to make a slight turn. Our original pick was more holiday specific, which we can actually still do as we get further into the holiday season. Barely That's... Um, yes. What do you, hey, hold on now. We're under no time constraints. We release our albums True. when we feel like it. The Christmas <laughs> we special. Damn
1: well, please. Our Christmas EP will come out later. It's fine. <laughs> I, I feel like
0: the way we're headed, uh, especially as the, the final stretch of the election season and America can be in a... If we're not already in an apocalyptic place, uh, we could assure that, I think, with four more years of... Uh, A particular man who has a tickle cough right now (laughs) that I hope does not improve. Just Um, break, gets worse anyway. (laughs) Uh, so I want to go with a guy who pretty much focuses exclusively on that. So we're we're Mm. switching from human decency to it's the end times every fucking movie
1: with Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Uh, we'll talk a lot about, uh, scarves and eating babies. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great couple episodes. So look forward to that. So, if you would like uh, to tell us what we should watch next, or you have opinions on our episodes, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Directed by Pod. Um, and you can get bonus episodes on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/A Podcast Directed by Vampire Sex. <laughs> You think I'm cutting that out? You look crazy. No, I was trying to get it in a right as you wrapped up. I saw you, like, just ready. Like, the, like what? That, that hanging curve was just waiting for you, like. In the white teeth, with the white arms, and your pink sleeves, of kissing. Watching my just me. In the white teeth.